So we're going to read again Romans 8, 12 through 25. Hear now the word of God. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if, in fact, we suffer with Him, so that we may be also glorified with Him. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have been the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, I pray that you would speak through me, but if not, you would speak in spite of me. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, let me know that birth is not an easy thing. I can't even experience it myself, but I've gone through it twice now with Amanda, and I'm glad that you're here. But I remember what it was like to be a father to walk with Amanda through the process of bringing Ransom and Harper into the world. And when the text today talks about the groaning, of, to bring about this new creation, to bring about this new family where the children of God are seen, he's doing a direct correlation to the birthing process and how hard it is to bring about something new, a new creation, a new life. So... The ladies in here, I give you props. <laughs> you have done one of the hardest things that there is to do is to bring new life into the world. And, and, and you can say it's painful, right? It's not an easy thing. Well, when God is going to bring this new thing called the kingdom of God into the world, we think immediately that, okay, God is omnipotent, God is all-powerful, God can do all things, God is awesome, and He can just... I mean, he could just put a castle right down in the middle of Jerusalem. He could come here, he could send out armies of angels, conquer everybody, and tell them, you will be subjected to me. And we will have perfect peace for all eternity because you will do what I say. Is that the kind of God that we have? No. And the hints of, in the garden of Eden, and the hints all through human history have shown that we have a God that cares about our sovereignty, that cares about our free will, that wants to create in us that very image that he put in us, or recreate it as a word. So 
when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, we started going our own ways, rebelled against God, and God has been slowly, through history, through the pain and the grief, kind of like raising a child, has been bringing us back to a place where we can be baptized. So we can be regenerated and made new in the Holy Spirit so that we can be re-adopted into the family of God. It's a painful process. Some of us call it be born again. We talk about that very moment in which someone says, I believe. That is what we think being born again is about. But did you know there was a process before that moment happens? And the Holy Spirit has been guiding you and bringing you to that point all your life. And that everyone who has ever accepted Jesus Christ has been drawn to that moment by the Holy Spirit. And that we don't do that by our own will and our own force. But God creates the conditions for salvation. Because He loves us. And He's a good Father. And the Scriptures say that we can call Him Abba. <coughs> Abba, Father. That's like saying Daddy. Dad. That's not saying Father. That's saying Dad. It's less formal. And actually in the Old Testament, you would never see a Jewish person saying Abba. You would see them saying Lord. You would see them using a formal term for God. They didn't even want to use the formal name of God, of God so they created new words to hide the name of God, even though everyone knew what they meant. But after Jesus, after we saw the Father in the form of Jesus Christ on this earth, Paul says we can call him Father, Daddy. We have a God that loves us. A God that isn't there to condemn us. A God that isn't there to judge us. But a God who is saying, you're doing something wrong, and you need to come along. And it's like a spiritual rebirth. It's painful. The world is going through the birth pangs of a new creation, a new identity, a new family. Every war that we've ever fought has been our selfishness at work trying to destroy one another, to get what we want. And it's nothing different than what Ransom had a tantrum. <laughs> Any two-year-old, three-year-old had a tantrum. We have tantrums too as adults, do we not? <laughs> we talked last week about anger. We talked about all these different things that, that come against us in our sinful nature. But God brings us to a place where we are, we are being remade and renewed and recreated so that we would just come to a place where there would just be a well of love. A well of patience. And we would mature and grow and become better than we were before. And what does that look like for us individually? Well, individually we start throwing away things. Uh, that, we, that have destroyed us in the past. We start treating our bodies like a temple and we start caring for ourselves more than we ever did. And that can be different for everybody. You know, sometimes we destroy our bodies in different ways. So God says, take care of yourself. So we start eating better. <laughs> we start, Amanda is always trying to get me to live longer, so she gets me to eat, eat some salads and things. I'm not a huge salad eater, but I've learned that I can put cranberries on leaves and it makes it taste better. <laughs> So I try to take care of myself. That's something the Spirit does. We want to take care of ourselves so that we can do the work of the mission that Jesus is calling us to do. Also, God calls us to do some things together as a church, right? So we come together, and this table says, in remembrance of me. So when we become this new creation, this new family, God wants us. God, Jesus Christ established a church, and the two things that that church is supposed to do is come together for a meal, 
and partake in the body and the blood of Christ, and this is a command, by the way, Jesus established the church so that we could come together and, and have spiritual nourishment. And he said, do it often in remembrance of me. So that's why we come together. In fact, the early Methodists, uh, out in the frontier days of America, they didn't have a lot of ministers because when the revolution happened, and said, you know, and all the ministers went back to England, they had a bunch of lay folks, and they weren't consecrated to, to administer. The, at that time, it was wine and bread. Well, just gave us grape juice later, by the way. <laughs> but at that time, and they couldn't get enough ministers to do communion. And so what they did was they took this thing called a love feast, where you would take water and bread, and lay folks would share it with one another, and they would share the Spirit of Christ together in fellowship without the consecration when the minister who had 20 or 30 churches and would ride on horseback night and day to get to their churches, could get to them. They would get together anyway and do a form of communion. That's pretty powerful. Sometimes we have a hard time when we watch the football game too late the night before and we just got to get up the next morning. But these folks knew that they needed to get together, that they needed to be in church. Another thing is to baptize. Today we have a baptism at one of our churches. Cyprus. And we just recently had a baptism, two baptisms here with Nathan and Jonathan. And one of the things that Jesus told us to do in the Great Commission is to go and baptize. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teach them all that I have taught you. So that we, when we see baptism happening, we know that we're being the church. Because we're telling people about Jesus Christ. Lives are being changed. The Holy Spirit is moving. And people are being adopted out of the world of destruction and being brought into a world of love. And if we're not being a world of love, we need to get to be the world of love, right? God didn't come to condemn us or to destroy us. God came to save us and bring us new life. God came to make a kingdom that would be like no kingdom that had ever been on the earth. And the church is the mission where that happens. We've messed it up before, but we can do it right if we listen to the Holy Spirit. If we baptize in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. If we come together regularly for communion and experience the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And if we go from this place knowing that that is what empowers us, that it is not our own will and our own power, but it is the power of God that goes with us, then makes people experience so they might be saved. I know it sounds kind of hokey because we've heard it a lot before on TV and people doing that, but it's not. You know, get all those images of, of what church could be and how it's been destroyed. Don't think about the televangelists. Don't think about the people who they used to call holy rollers and the people who go out with judgment. Think about the people who extend a hand, give some food. Think about the people who build ramps for the handicap. Think about people who get out there because they were at the communion table, because they had seen a baptism or been baptized themselves, and they get out and say, I love you because Jesus loves us. All of us. I might mess up, but Jesus never does. <laughs>
Lord God, you give us everything we need. Let us be faithful to you. Let us take up the call to be Christians, which means little Christs. Let us love with all of our heart, and when we mess up, let us admit they call it failing fast. Let us get up into the success of your mission and give all that we can to all we can. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.